telling the, the first service, you may have thought since we're coming close to the end that we were going to finish the book. <laughs> Silly you. <laughs> Covering two verses today. And uh, great, great stuff in these two verses. So much so that, I, like I said, I don't feel like I've even kind of scratched the surface. But I'll give you what I got, all right? First John chapter 15. Or 15. Wow, it's a big book. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Here we go. How many of you guys know when I say, uh, I guess it's become a verb now, we're going to Skype so-and-so? You know what I'm talking about when I talk about the word Skype? That's uh, video conferencing, okay? You guys remember when we went to, first time you went to, uh, for some of us, was a while back, went to uh, the Space Mountain? In the Magic Kingdom, and you saw people video conferencing, and you were like, that's crazy, that'll never happen. And now we're video conferencing. Well, it, it reminded me, this Skype reminded me of a friend, uh, a story a friend told me this last week. He has a little girl, and they would Skype, they were in the practice of Skyping. Love how words become verbs. In practice of Skyping, their, uh, what they call their mama and papa, their grandparents. And, uh, over the last few months, I guess, unfortunately, Mama and Papa had passed away, and their dog, Bones, had passed away. And uh, he was telling me this week, just a little moment, poignant moment, where his daughter came to him and said, Hey, Daddy, can we Skype heaven? Talk to Mama, Papa, and Bones? And it made me think, for our verses here this morning, you guys know we do have access to heaven. We have access to heaven. That's a, a long distance call. But it's nothing for God, right? The question that, that I want to pose this morning right off the bat is, how's your prayer life? Are you confident that your prayers make it all the way to heaven? Are you confident that your prayers reach heaven? It reminds me of that story. Maybe you heard it. Billy Graham went to see the Pope in Rome. While he was waiting, he noticed a, a big red phone. As he was ushered in to talk with the Pope, he said, what's the red phone for? That's to talk to God. Really? How much does such a call cost? I mean, it's an awful long call. About $10,000 a minute. But it's well worth it. Some weeks later, Billy Graham went to see the chief rabbi in Jerusalem. He noticed that he, too, had a red phone. He says, I don't suppose that this phone is to talk to God. Why, yes, it is. Well, how much does it cost? Twenty-five cents a minute. Really? How come it's so cheap? The, the Pope has one that costs $10,000 a minute. The rabbi says, it's a local call. For John, the guy who wrote this book, right, he wrote this epistle to us, to anyone who calls himself a disciple of Christ. For John, prayer was a local call. I mean, you say, of course it was. John was an eyewitness. Turn with me real quick. I didn't give you this, but turn to just the very first verse of this epistle. First John chapter one, verse one. Remember, John's an eyewitness. He starts right out of the, right out of the gate. Chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, he's speaking of Jesus, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That's where we know he's talking about Jesus. The life was manifested. That, that is, it was invisible, but it became visible to us. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. So, yes, he was clearly an eyewitness. But look at this. Verse three. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And our truly our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the theme for this whole book. And he, he concludes verse four says, and these things we write that your joy may be full. We've learned over and over again the, the way to have joy, even in difficult circumstances. Anybody familiar with those? The way to have joy, even in difficult circumstances, is to have fellowship, Emmanuel, God with us, right? So John, this eyewitness, starts the whole book out by saying, guys, I want you guys to have the same relationship that I have with him. I want it to be a local call for you. Do you see that John, in verse 3, basically he's inviting us in, think about it, to the inner circle with Jesus. I mean, it was what? James, John, Peter. They were the in crowd with Jesus. They were the inner circle. And John's saying, hey, I want you to experience this with us. And here's the thing. Again, maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, of course. I mean, John was an eyewitness. He got to see Jesus with his own eyes. He got to look upon him. He got to handle the living God made flesh. How, how does he expect me to have that kind of fellowship with God? Well, do you remember how old John is as he wrote this epistle? Most scholars believe he's probably about at least 90 years old. Now do the math. That means it's been at least 50, probably more like 70 years since he has seen Jesus face to face. John had not laid eyes on his Savior, his King, for more than 50 years. And still, I want you to notice, it's a local call. Look at it. First John chapter 5, beginning our text, verse 14. Listen to how confident he is that he is making that connection. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Guys, see that 50, 70 years after uh, since he's last laid eyes on him, well beyond the time that Jesus is skypable. John says, I'm confident. I know he hears my prayers. Let me ask you again. How's your prayer life? Do you have that kind of confidence? When you pray, do you know that he hears you or do you hope that he hears you? Do you just kind of hope that he's listening? Do you ever wonder if you're just talking to yourself? Like the guy in the Publix that's got the Bluetooth you can't see? I think John really wants us to, to, to learn to know to have a prayer life that's active, dynamic, that we see the evidence that he's hearing us. So I just want to stop for just a second and pray that the Lord would open this for us, that we would get it. And again, I, I'm confessing to you, I don't feel, I was going to say as organized as I should be, but you guys are like, we know you, you never are organized. I don't feel like I've quite grasped this. 
But I know that he I know that he wants us to to be men and women of prayer who get it, who understand, who enjoy prayer, who are confident. So let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you'd unlock these verses for us. That you would help us, Lord. I, I ask Lord, that everyone who is of a, a willing heart, Lord, and mind, that, that anyone who agrees with me, Lord, we just come to you and we ask that you'd unlock these verses for us so we'd understand what it is the Spirit of God is trying to say to his people, his children, whom you love. Help us, Lord, to be men and women of prayer. Help us to understand it, to be excited about it, to take advantage, Lord, of this connection that we have with heaven. We love you. Teach us, Lord. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 14 now. 1 John 5, verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That's been a familiar theme if you've been with us. Confidence or boldness. You guys remember? You don't have to turn there, but you can write these down if you want to check me out. Chapter 2, verse 28 says, Now little children, abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed. Before him at his coming. Chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, the same word, in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. One of the things that, that John is trying to instill in those who are listening is assurance, boldness. Remember, if you this will be one of your last few quizzes. You guys remember the four points? John's trying to get at chapter one, verse four, that we might be filled with joy. Chapter two, verse one, that we might be free from sin. Chapter two, verse 26, that we might be able to fend off deception. And then chapter five, verse 13, that we just looked at, well, two weeks ago when I was here, that we might have a firm assurance or sneeze. That we might have a firm assurance. And, and the word actually means bold. John wants us to be bold. Y'all, we're getting close to the end of this book. And we read all of these things that this book is going to do in us and for us if we take it serious. We're, get, we're running out of time here before we get to the end of the book. Are you bold? Has he made you bold? See, the world needs us to be bold. I know this is a bit of a side trip, but the, the world needs for you to know where you are going, heaven, how you're going to get there, Jesus, and to be bold about it. To paraphrase that great theological work, Star Trek, <clears throat> the world needs you to boldly go where one man has gone before. One man has gone through death into life. So that we can follow him. He needs us to be bold. He wants us to be bold for the world around us. So one of the central themes is boldness. But here in verse 15 in particular, he invites us to boldness, confidence in our prayer life. Confidence, knowing that the father hears us, absolutely knowing that he's heard us and knowing that he responds to his kids requests. Now, the first obvious step toward a confident prayer life is this. Some of these come under the category of duh. But this is one right here. Verse 14, I think, says first thing you need to do is make sure that you are a child of God. That you're actually part of the family of God. Look at verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. 
Notice that it doesn't say this is the confidence we have in prayer. Not this is the confidence that we have in the power of positive thinking. Not this is the confidence that we have in the power of our own words. No, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him. Effective prayer, exciting, dynamic prayer is all about confidence in a person. You guys know if you've been with us in the book of John, the gospel of John, Jesus compared real prayer, that kind of that exciting prayer to a father son relationship that he enjoyed with his father to a father daughter relationship. Matter of fact, if you are here this morning and you have not yet come into the family of God by way of his son, Jesus, he wants to tell he wants me to tell you a couple things. I'm so glad that you're here. But he's not going to answer your prayers in the way that he would answer one of his children's prayers. Let me put it this way. It's impossible for you to have confidence that you've reached heaven until you've become, in your prayers that is, until you've become one of his kids. Let me, let me illustrate. If Isaac, my five-year-old, were to go to the neighbor down the street whom he doesn't really know, and to ask him for something, he can't be confident that he's been heard or will be paid attention to or will be shooed off the property or what. But if he comes to me, I'm his dad, he can be confident that I hear him. I might not give him what he wants, but he can be confident that because I'm his dad, I love him, I will give him that which is in my will. We're going to cover that here in a minute. So if you have not yet entered into the family of God, I want to do something unusual here. I want to give you permission to mentally check out here during the rest of this teaching. Because really the thing you have to do is settle that issue. Because the only prayer that God is going to answer really from you is this one. Save me. Lord, bring me into your family. If I'm speaking to you and you're not yet part of the family of God, you have permission. I would recommend that you just spend the rest of this time thinking that through. Why am I not? What's holding me back from becoming part of the family of God? What's holding me back from this father-son or father-daughter relationship with a God who loves me and who wants to give me good gifts? And if you decide you want to become a member of the family of God... Very simple thing. I stole this off of one of Greg Laurie's uh, uh, tracks that he has. Very simple. Admit you're a sinner. Repent. That means be willing to turn away from your sin. Believe, that's number three, that Jesus died for you, that he is who he says he is, and just receive him. Ask him to come into your life. Okay? So to boil all that down, if you're an unbeliever here, there's only one prayer that you need to be focused on god save me bring me into your family okay so if you're an unbeliever you have your application now what about the rest of us how can we be confident how can we be bold in our prayer in the in the same way that john was well this also falls under the category of duh and i think you're going to see it here i want you guys to to read with me verses 14 and 15 you guys say the word ask or asked. Ready? Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we 
anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we we know that we have the petitions that we have of him. Three times in two verses. Actually, it's interesting. Four times in these two verses, we see that word ask. Because in the Greek, that word petitions is actually just another form of that word. So you could read verse 15 this way. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the askings that we have asked of him. So the first point is, to have a dynamic prayer life, you kind of got to ask. Duh. I mean, how can we expect, truly, to know that God has answered our prayers if we haven't asked? If you want to enjoy the, the kind of prayer life that John enjoyed, even 50 years later, after he, the last time he'd laid eyes on Jesus, first got to ask. So, I won't take the time to pull you individually, but are you asking? James 4.2 says, this is the old King James, says, you have not because you ask not. The new King James, our version, says, you do not have because you do not ask. The Doug version reads like this. You do not have because you do not ask. Hello? <laughs> right? Are we asking? I mean, that has to be where the dynamic prayer life has to begin. Verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask, God hears us. See, it doesn't say, and I think sometimes some of us have crossed out the word ask and inserted our own word. It doesn't say that he hears us if we grumble. It doesn't say, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we worry, he hears us. If we stew. He hears us. If we try to fix it on our own strength, he hears us. No, it says if we, you guys are teachable. Matthew chapter 7. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'll let you guys say that word ask again or asks. Ready? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Oh, it starts with you guys. Ready? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open or what man among is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone oh notice real quick see that father son relationship in case you're an unbeliever and we're not doing your assignment but we're actually paying attention (laughs) father son relationship see that's what it's, it's built upon that verse 10 or if he Ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, he's comparing God's love to our human love, and, and we're so weak and we mess it up so much, but even we get this. If you're any kind of a decent father, your son asks you for a piece of bread, you're going to give him a rock? No way. Verse 10. Or if he asks, tricky, for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Do you kind of get the idea that we're supposed to ask? Perhaps it's as simple as that. Perhaps the Lord is saying that to some of his kids today. Hello? Ask. Maybe you've given up the asking because you don't feel like it's working, disappointment, whatever it is. Perhaps he's calling you back today to ask. And it's interesting to me that verses 7 and 8 of this chapter, the tense of it is continual. 
What Jesus is actually saying in the original language is ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek, keep on seeking. So maybe that's the exhortation for you today, but maybe that's not the one for you. Maybe you're thinking, well, I am a son or daughter. And listen, I have been asking. And hello, I've been asking for bread. Right? We call it bread. I mean, I've been asking for dough. I've continually been asking for bread. I'm on a roll. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just let that sink in a little bit. Maybe you're thinking, I, I'm a, I know I'm a daughter of, of God. I know I'm a son of God. And I've been asking. And yes, I know he's not giving me a serpent, but it sure seems like he's giving me a big old goose egg. Well, turn back with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I want you to see something here, verse 14, because this, what this is talking about is guaranteed prayer. Now look at it, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will. Y'all, that is, if I had to get rid of it, everything else, this is the, the most important few words you need to understand today. According to his will. It's probably, let's call it the, the pivotal, the, the fulcrum by which John's confidence in prayer works. It's this phrase, according to his will. It changes everything if you take this phrase out. Right? If you take this phrase out, and some of the TV preachers have done so, or they kind of maybe mumble through it. If you take it out, then this becomes a blank check, a, a, a promise that, that you can exploit God with. Uh, some TV preachers, I think, want to read it this way. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. It says right here, ask him anything. Maserati. Come on. You don't have it? What kind of faith do you have? See, when you do that, when you take out that little phrase or de-emphasize it, you turn the holy living God into your own personal genie in a bottle. Your own personal servant, your own bellboy. And to me, that's blasphemous. James 4, 3, which is right after the, the verse that says, you have not because you ask not, says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, y'all, this according to his will is the key phrase. Everything hinges on it. This is probably repetitious for some of you, maybe all of you. But if you've never heard this, I promise you this can revolutionize your prayer life. And if you have heard it, but you've forgotten it, maybe God wants to say it to you again today. It's this. Prayer is not getting God to do your will. Effective prayer, dynamic prayer, prayer that works, that's exciting, is not getting God to do your will. Effective, exciting, real prayer is about understanding God's will, lining up with it, conforming yourself to his will if need be, 
right? Prayer is really about conforming our will to his. Think about it. when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he much of the prayer that he prayed, he couldn't pray because he he was teaching them. OK, we call it the Lord's prayer, but it's really the disciples prayer. One of the things that he said right before he said, give us this day our daily bread. What was the thing that they needed to say? They needed to say, our father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I want your will to be done just like it is in heaven. I want it done here on my little slice of earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done like it is in heaven right here on this earth. See, too often we, we turn that around. We end up saying something like, Father, let my will be done in heaven just like I've already started to do it here on earth. <laughs> right? Too often God's children pray um, in that way, which is, look, here's my plans, Lord. Now you bless them. Instead of, Lord, what are you up to? Lord, I agree with that. Real prayer, real dynamic prayer, exciting prayer. I'd like to think of it as closing the circuit, finishing the circuit. It starts with God and we get in line. We agree with him. And then when it's in his will, it's absolutely done. It's not about us getting his, our will, him to do our will, but the other way around. Um, I don't know if you heard this story, but there was a prisoner in a Soviet prison camp. One day he was praying with his eyes closed. A fellow prisoner walks by and says, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. He opens his eyes and says, um, I, I'm not praying to get out of prison, but to do the will of God. Wow. God is going to answer that prayer. When we pray according to his will, it's guaranteed. I read this this week. It's strange that while praying, we seldom ask for a change of character, but always a change of circumstance. Could it be that your circumstances are taking so long because he's trying to change your character? Have you prayed about the stuff that he's guaranteed to answer? Your character. See, the first thing you have to settle as a child of God, coming to your father who, let me remind you, loves you. Is whose will am I trying to accomplish here? Whose will am I seeking to be done? I'm just going to steal this from uh, Pastor David Guzik. He was out in California for a while, but now he's at the Bible College in, in Germany. He just pretty much said it well enough that it's the, the way I think we should say it. Ask yourself this question. Any prayer. Prayer comes to your mind, you're like, I, I, I want to pray about this. Ask yourself this question. What, reason, what thing, reason do I have to believe that this is God's will? That God wants this? Do I have evidence in the scriptures? Do I have evidence from his nature? Whatever it is. See, what this, this phrase, according to his will, think about it, filters out all of the junk that we can ask for that may or may not be good for us. I mean, you can ask for a chateau in the hills of France. You can ask to win the lottery. But you have no assurance that he hears you. No confidence that he hears you. See, look at verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, 
But then it says, according to his will, he hears us. Now, and it's interesting that that last phrase, he hears us. I don't think we need to assume that God's up in heaven with headphones on and he doesn't hear us. Right? He's not, oh, somebody just prayed something according to my will, so now I'm going to listen. But probably the way to illustrate that, parents, you ever been in a store and your kids are, can I have that, can I have that, can I have that? And it's candy, right? Something, or it, everybody's looking. <laughs> you sort of don't hear them, right? Right, my, my, my son, Isaac, five years old, son Noah, nine years old, he has autism though. They're my sons. I love them. I want to give them good gifts, right? I want to give them things that are good for them. Um, but if they ask me for a loaded shotgun, it's not in my will, right? They ask for anything that's in my will, it's a done deal. Anything that's in my will and that I have the power to do. Now, you put God in that spot. The first part applies. The second part, everything's in his power to do. So then the question really becomes is how can I know that I am praying, I'm asking for what is in his will, right? And that's what it boils down to. Two things you got to remember. Abide in him and you will know what's in his will. Abide in him and let his word abide in you. That's so good. I wonder if maybe Jesus said that somewhere. He did. We're going to get there in just a second. But before we do, I want, I want you to read this, this verse, 14 and 15. And notice again, this sort of blank check at first glance, like, whoa, this is a huge promise. Read it and see if it reminds you of some other places where Jesus spoke. Uh, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Okay, there's that blank check like, wow. This anything, anything that you ask, I'll do. Do you remember any other places where Jesus made those seemingly sweeping kind of promises? Well, John 14, you can turn there. Or we're going to land on John 15 in just a minute. John 14, 13 says, Jesus speaking, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, pretty sweeping. Now, look at John 15, and you'll see the next time that he said that. Something like that. Verse 4, let's start there. John 15, verse 4. Jesus speaking says, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now watch verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Just two things. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. You can ask anything. That's because when you abide in him, you'll only ask for the right stuff. When his words abide in you, you know what his will is. You'll ask for the right stuff, and he will grant it. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What he's saying is, look, this is... This is good press for my dad, too. For me to give you that which was in his will when you ask for it. 
Jesus says basically two things. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, whatever you ask for, I'll give you. Now, what does that word abide in me mean? Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you know it means to settle down, to sink down into. Settle down into a relationship with me, Jesus says. Are you, do you have this settled, abiding relationship with him so that you know what his will is? That was the story of Jesus' ministry throughout those three years in particular. He says, I see the Father in heaven. I, I know what he wants to do. I pray. He does what he wants to do through me. And there was miraculous things, right? If you abide in me, if you settle down in me, have a relationship with me, then you will ask the right things. But also that second part. And my words abide in you. And if I've lost you in the etherealness of abiding in him. When it says my words abide in you, there's nothing ethereal about this is really super practical. Let me show you. How can you know that you're praying the will of God? He's written down his will. You're holding it in your lap. It's not tricky. Let me give you an example. Instead of praying, Lord, I really love so-and-so, and I just ask that you'd, uh, you'd save them. You'd bring them into your family. Okay? That's, that's not bad. But when you finish, do you feel like it made it to heaven necessarily? You, I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. Right? I mean, it's a long way to heaven. Why for John was it a local call? Well, what if you did this? Lord, you've shown me your will. Second Peter 3, 9. You are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, Bob over here, he's a part of that all. I know it's your will. So I'm completing the circuit. I'm agreeing with you. Lord, will you save him? That prayer made it to heaven. For sure. See, the dynamic prayer life, once again, is not about getting our will done here on earth. But it's about becoming attached to the vine. Right? Letting the things that he wants to, to accomplish flow through us. Completing the circuit. Uh, again, David Guzik says it's about discerning what the will of God is and praying for that to come to pass. Lord, what is your will? I agree with it. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a second. If it's God's will, why does he even need us? I mean, why doesn't he just do it? I mean, it seems a little silly for God to say, hey, I want to do something, but I'm waiting for someone to ask. Seems weird. I, I'm not completely sure, but I know this. Second Corinthians chapter six says that God is happy. He's waiting for us to become partners with him. That we, it's amazing that we get to be co-laborers with him. I think it's just because he loves us and he wants us to experience that joy. Yeah, he can do it without us. But he willingly, I think he, he, he looks, looks, he searches. This, this is my mindset. This is what I want to accomplish. Is there anyone here in this room that might agree with me? And when he hears that, that soul, that one soul say, I agree with you, Lord. This is what, this is what I, I'm hearing you say, and I agree with you. Then 
verses 14 and 15 just become, they're a done deal. Um, matter of fact, look at verse 15. I've got to find it myself. Somebody read it for me. <laughs> it's not here in my notes. No one? Okay, I got it. It says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked him. Um, it's basically, a, it's a done deal. Here's the way I think of it. When you complete that circuit, when you hear what it is the will that, that what is in his will, if you're reading it in the word, or maybe he just speaks to you in your, in your mind, and you hear that and you agree with that, you're completing the circuit. And maybe the best way to, to say it is, you know, when you send something uh, in the mail is certified, this is your like return receipt. You can point to Second Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 9 and say, here's my return receipt. I pray for that, right? This is God's will. So it says, we know that we've done it. Now, maybe you're also noticing, though, there's no indication of time. It doesn't say that it's done and it's going to be done in the next two hours or the next two days. But it does say, look, you can know that he heard you and you can know that it's accomplished. Basically, real effective prayer is coming to God. And this might sound a little weird and saying you promised. And maybe you think, oh, wait a second, that doesn't sound very respectful. Well, if my kids come to me and say, Dad, you promised, probably the reason I would be offended is because I blew it and I didn't deliver. But God never blows it. So I don't think he'd be offended when you say, Lord, in your word here, it says this. I agree with your will. And it's your return receipt. So here's a few ideas. Maybe instead of praying for your circumstances to change. What about praying for your character to be conformed to his image? That agrees with his will and his word. Here's a, a radical thing. And again, I'm not suggesting that these, these other prayers are wrong. Not at all. But they lack a certain confidence. If you pray, for instance, Lord, transform my marriage. Heal my marriage. That's a good prayer. But it kind of lacks confidence. But if instead you say, Lord, transform my mind. Lord, transform me from the inside out. Because you have verses that say that's exactly what his will is. That you would be conformed into his image. Right? Hopefully you're getting the idea. Now, again, we have really even touched on verse 15. To me, that's because there's nothing really to say other than Verse 15 is true. When you, when you understand verse 14, verse 15 just becomes automatic. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's registered. He's, he's heard us. And if we know that he hears us, well, he's a loving father. And if it's according to his will, if it's not, we haven't asked for a shotgun that's going to kill us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Yes, there may be a time issue involved, but the answer is if it really is him in his will, he always says the promises of God, the Bible says, are yes 
and amen. If it's in his will, he will accomplish it. Let me shorten this whole sermon into one sentence. You're like, you couldn't have done that before? (laughs) When we ask according to his will, our answer is assured. When we ask according to his will, our answer is assured. So really all it is is figuring out what his will is. I mean, spending time in the word, spending time with him, walking day by day with him, praying for the right things. Now, when that happens, I don't know about you, but if we were to actually do this, novel idea, we were to actually seek to pray that the way that he wants us to pray on a consistent basis. Let's say only let's say only 85% of your prayers were actually prayed according to his will. Wouldn't you be encouraged if 85% of your prayers were answered yes all the time? Yeah? I mean, could it be that we're discouraged because we're asking for stuff that is not necessarily in his will? And so it seems like he's saying no all the time because we're not asking for the right stuff. I think we could have an awesome prayer life if we will ask according to his will. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And thank you, Lord, that you're able to speak to us. Again, even through uh, broken, humble, messed up vessels, unorganized vessels. Lord, I ask that what you're trying to speak to us or to me would really sink in. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us. Thank you that that you love us as a father. And so you never scold us really for asking for things that that um, may or may not be in your will. But I thank you, Lord, for this. Perhaps new information for some of us. And we can have confidence, Lord, if we are asking you according to your will. Pray, Lord, that you would help us or to understand what your will is through abiding in you. And letting your word abide in us, that we might return it to you, that we might complete the circuit. Lord, please give the members, the the folks at Calvary Chapel of the Lakes, dynamic prayer life. Lord, please speak to us and through us. Please, Lord, help us to, to set aside, Lord, a part of our day where we line up with your will. Lord, do the, the miraculous, the wonderful things that you intend to do that perhaps we're missing all the time. Do that, Lord, through this people who've come, Lord, to hear from you today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.